Okay, on a scale of zero to two minutes, are you, when are you going to be ready to record this? Because we said nine and it's 9.08 and you're still trying to do things. I'm going to say what I need to say and I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> Welcome to another D3 Datacast as we settle into what has already been an exciting Division Three basketball season. We've been enjoying it so far, looking forward to the rest of the season. Be sure to join us by clicking the subscribe button here on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcasting app if you prefer an audio-only version. Matt, we have a lot to talk about here. We have had an action-packed D3 week, capped off by a huge D3 weekend down at Wittenberg as they hosted the 2023 Great Lakes Invitational. We are both back at our respective homes. We have the uh, the Southeast Michigan uh, location here for me. You got the West Michigan location there for you. And the only thing we have to do to finish out our week here is to get a show going for week three of the 2023-24 Division Three basketball season. I can't believe we've only played two weeks, like less than two full weeks of action here. It seems like so much has happened. We've seen a ton of great games already. We've seen upsets. Our expectations have been turned on their head. Uh, so we got to talk through it because I don't, I don't I don't know really what to make sense of at this point. So hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll come to some sort of clarity on what's going on in Division Three basketball. Yeah, we'll get it all sorted out by the end of the episode. Yeah, no problem. I hope so. I hope so. But uh, before we start, I do need to have an errors and omission segment. Uh, last week, I incorrectly said that Catholic had beaten Mary Washington by 11 I think that was actually a one-point win like at the buzzer. So I must have read the score wrong, and I reported that wrong to you all kind folks, the viewers. So I am sorry about that. That was my bad. All right, so Matt, very clearly you lost the week last week. Who, who's your winner of the week? Who won the week here in Division Three basketball as we, we look back on Week 2 action? Uh, I'm going to some, say something I saw up close and personal this week at GLI. I'm going to say Redlands won the week for me. Um, they... They were a watch list team on my top 25 kind of ballot process. They didn't quite make my top 25, but I think that was a miss. Um, they put me on notice. They put the rest of Division Three on notice this weekend with a tremendous performance at the Great Lakes Invitational. We'll talk more about those games and those teams later on, but I just want to call out Redlands here. I was impressed with them. Two big wins. They've now played, I think, four games. They've beaten Puget Sound, East Texas Baptist, Middlebury, and UW Oshkosh. The closest game, I think, was the 20-point win over Oshkosh. They look great. They look like a challenge. They're a matchup problem. Redlands, I think, is for real, and I'm excited to see them December, January, February, and probably March, I expect at this point. So as I ask myself who won the week, I'm going to go in a similar direction, but take a little little different spin on it. My winner of the week, Matt, I want to recognize friend of the program, our friend Ryan Whitnable, the organizer, the creator organizer, whatever his official title he wants to be, he's earned it, of the Great Lakes Invitational. Uh, Matt, you know, it had already, uh, the Great Lakes Invitational already had a well-earned reputation as being one of the premier events on the Division Three basketball calendar. You know, we've talked about it a bunch, but this was our first chance to see it up close and personal in, in the current eight-team format. And uh, just, it was very impressive the way everything ran smoothly. I don't, I'm not aware of a single hiccup. Uh, just to Great. see up close the, the caliber of teams that Ryan is able to get to the event. You know, the caliber of teams, not only on the court, but off the court. Uh, I can't think of a single negative interaction the entire weekend. Um, you know, even as teams that are coming off the court, uh, you know, and rubbing shoulders in the gym, whatever. It was just a first-class event, all involved. Uh, tip of the cap to Ryan. Uh, he does a tremendous job. 
And you know what? We're really looking forward to seeing it again up and close and personal next year when it is hosted at Kelvin uh, in a, a star-studded field, Matt. I think you know the the you can always count on a great field at the Great Lakes Invitational and the 2024 event. Dare I say, maybe the best yet to come. That, that you mentioned, we had three Final Four teams that won Great Lakes Invitational, so that's a, that's a really high bar that he's set already. There's a very time. high bar, very high bar. But let's just read off the list in case anyone missed the announcement that that was announced by Ryan at the halftime of the the final game on day one. Calvin will host the 24 uh, Great Lakes Invitational in a field that will also include include Hope, John Carroll, Marietta, St. John's, Emory, UW Lacrosse and Johns Hopkins. So Matt, it was really great to see, you know, some teams that we were familiar with, but also some teams that, you know, while we were familiar with them, we would never really have a chance to see in most circumstances, you know, with, whether it's Redlands out in California, Middlebury all the way out uh, in, in New England, Vermont, to be able to see them in Ohio was awesome. Uh, we have kind of some similar dynamics coming to Michigan next year. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, just a great event. You can't say enough good things about the event. You can't say enough good things about Ryan and his job organizing this event, the schools that put it on. It's really a highlight of great Division Three programs, uh, great Division Three players, uh, coaches, and as you said, class act by everyone uh, all involved. It was great to cover, and it's going to be great to talk about here on this show as well. I do have one other, te- one other team, Matt, that was kind of on my watch list for the week, and that's Piedmont. Mm-hmm. Um. Piedmont is one of those teams that you just, you know, didn't didn't think a whole lot about coming into the into the season, but they almost knocked off Division One Coastal Carolina. Then they played Emory really, really tough. Yeah. Once we get into, you know, the D three versus D three games. So they were a team I wanted to watch this week because they had a big weekend traveling to Wheaton, taking part in Wheaton's tournament there. Uh, and they ended up winning the event. They knocked off uh, Wheaton on Friday, right? And then Saturday we thought maybe they there would be a matchup with Heidelberg, but Heidelberg was, we'll say, upset by Alma, and Piedmont beats Alma to win the Leaf on Classic there. So it was good to see. You know, that was a team uh, that was kind of getting on the radar just because they were playing really close games against uh, maybe outperforming expectations. Maybe uh, not not games that they were, you know, they didn't knock off Emory, but they were playing right there. And so it's like, hey, maybe this is a team to keep an eye on. Uh, so I made a note of that, and uh, to see them go out and play really well at Wheaton, I think is is a team that deserves to be on the, the larger radar now. Yeah, definitely a team that I just over the weekend we would consistently go to the scoreboard to check how is Piedmont doing. We really want to know they look like they're going to be good, uh, and as you said, a team completely kind of off my my top twenty five radar. And I try to cast a wide net. I didn't collect Piedmont in that net, but they're already a team that I'm watching out for. So uh, no, there's going to be no top twenty five poll this week. One more week to go. Uh, don't know if they'll be included in that poll for me or for others, but definitely now a team I am looking out for. I think you're looking out for as well, Zach. So Matt, we have a lot of reactions and observations coming back from all the basketball we watched at the Great Lakes Invitational at Wittenberg. What about earlier in the week, things that kind of stuck out to you, things that you had your eye on? Yeah, a couple of games I was watching on Tuesday was kind of like the first big day for me. Uh, Nichols at St. Joseph. Uh, St. Joseph, Connecticut was the team that won that game 77-70, and they moved to 3-0 at that point. Nichols fell to 2-1. and um, I think this was the first big test for Nichols. They competed really well. It was a seven-point game at the end. It was, it was pretty close throughout. Uh, they weren't ultimately able to overcome St. Joseph. Uh, the Blue Jays, St. Joseph, looks very strong this year. Uh, they've now beaten Yeshiva. They've beaten Middlebury. They've beaten Nichols. They've beaten Colby. 
They did pick up a loss uh, this past Saturday to Trinity, Connecticut, uh, but Trinity's also undefeated and a team that's probably on the top 25 radar or mix in some fashion. So uh, I think St. Joseph looks good. I think Nichols looks good. We saw him make deep tournament runs last year. Um, I didn't vote for them in the preseason. Are they a team I'm going to vote for a week from now? I don't know. I think the problem for Nichols all season is it, their schedule right now doesn't look like it has very many top teams like very many top 100 teams even, um, like maybe, or definitely St. Joseph was one. They ultimately could not win that game. Um, but then like, is Yeshiva even maybe a top 100 team? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so they just don't have tons of opportunities to prove themselves to me. So they're going to have to rely on putting up huge margins against maybe what looks like a, a little bit of a softer schedule. So we'll have to see what Nichols, um, what they can put together this season. A, a great team, a great program. It's going to be tough for them in my mind to get consistently in my top 25 picture though which is the schedule that they have and and, and not winning a game like this against St. Joseph is going to be is going to be difficult for them I think um, another game for me on that same Tuesday was Anderson at Wabash Wabash was ranked 16 and you might remember this as our upset watch game it was very close throughout uh, Anderson had a two-point halftime lead Wabash kind of stormed out of the break and I think maybe a 10 a 10 point run early in the second half to give them a nine point lead but then Anderson just reeled that back in, clawed all the way back. And kind of the next 10 minutes of that second half uh, really took the lead back. Five minutes to play. Anderson had the lead for good. Um, and they did a lot of damage from the outside. The Ravens made 12 three-pointers in the game. They knocked off Wabash. So upset watch hit. That was unfortunately, you know, not the best loss for Wabash. But I think Anderson looks pretty good now. And Anderson might be another team that that should be kind of on that maybe top 25 watch list, raising eyebrows, seeing where they go from here. They can put together some, some more strong wins. Um, I think they look good. I think the Heartland Conference, the HCAC, is looking really strong as a league with some early season results. So I was interested to see uh, Anderson beat Wabash there. And then Wednesday, there was another one I know we both had our eye on. Randolph making play at Christopher Newport. Uh, Christopher Newport got the win there at home, 64-54. And, uh, you know, Matt, I, I I tweeted this out from our show account because it just was just seemed kind of funny given the success these teams have had. But, you know, it was November 15th, Christopher Newport and Randolph Macon, after that loss, both had two losses already on the season. Um, very clearly, you know, Randolph Macon has some things to be figured out offensively, right? They... Uh, had an offensive struggle against Virginia Wesleyan, and then they didn't hit the 50-point mark until, uh, I don't know if you quite want to call it garbage time, but I think the result was mostly not quite, uh, was mo was mostly um, settled uh, before they, they hit the 50-point mark there. So offensively, it's looking like a struggle for Randolph-Macon, and, and uh, that's uh, that's their room for growth, I suppose. Yeah, two teams here in Randolph-Macon and Christopher Newport who were ranked in the top 15 in that preseason poll. Randolph-Macon was number 14. Christopher Newport was number one. I think very clearly they're both not going to keep those rankings. Uh, we'll have to see where it comes out in another week, right? Uh, but yeah, it's they're not quite the teams we expected to see coming in, particularly from Christopher Newport. You know, they ultimately did win this game, and I think Christopher Newport is figuring it out and will figuring it out. Just their new team, their new players, their new rotations. Uh, but yeah, as you said, Randolph-Macon... Uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, really seems to struggle against good defenses. Now, Christopher Newport, I think, is a pretty good team. Virginia Wesleyan looks like a really good team, so it might be more saying about their opponent than them, really. But uh, looking at the line scores, yeah, the only 44 points in that road loss at Virginia Wesleyan, as, I, as, as you said. 
uh, that Christopher Newport game, 24 points in the first half, and then hitting 30 points with only nine seconds left in the second half. It's it's like if you're only scoring 20 points in the 20s in halves of basketball games, that's just challenging for like two games in a row. Uh, so I expect them to get better as the season goes on. You know, they have a great coach, Josh Merkel. They have still have a lot of talent on that team. Um, as they're kind of changing over from a national championship two years ago, but yeah, kind of, kind of just a struggle. You're not used to seeing, um, you know, maybe Randolph Macon struggle this much to score the ball. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting game. Two good teams. I think two good programs that will be in the mix at the end of the season. You know, right now they're both kind of a little bit more eh results than, you know, really strong results. I do expect Christopher Newport to stay in the poll somewhere. Not sure about Randolph-Macon. They might be out of the poll at this point um, with, with some opportunities in a strong ODAC, you know, as we go throughout the season to get back in it. But they might be a little bit more of a wait and see for many voters. Probably me at this point, but we'll have to figure that out as we go. All right, so let's get let's get into uh, what we saw over the weekend a little bit more uh, with, a, with the Great Lakes Invitational giving us a chance to see eight teams uh, in action on back-to-back days. I was really interested, Matt, to see if there would be any opinions I formed or anything I thought about a team on day one that would really change day two. Like if we feel like, hey, what, where was this team yesterday? You know, positive or negative. Um, and, and I have to say, mostly, I, I, don't think, I don't think we saw that. I don't think there was anything that was really surprising on day two from what we saw on day one. Uh, but we, we thought we'd go team by team. And we would present this in how we... We see uh, like a, a Great Lakes Invitational power rankings. Yeah, so coming out of the weekend, you know, we we talked on the car ride home back to Michigan from Ohio, and we kind of ranked teams in order. So um, I think the team that we came out kind of thinking that they were maybe on the bottom of the pile in this weekend was LaRoche. Uh, they had a game against UW Oshkosh, a strong team, but they. Um, you know, 77-68 was the final score of that one. They lost that game. They lost to Calvin then on Saturday, 74-54. Um, LaRoche does some things well. I think their players play with a lot of energy. They don't have a ton of size. So going up a, a team like Oshkosh and like Calvin, who maybe will have some bigger bigs, I think that was a little bit of a struggle for them. Uh, I think at times some of the um, the shooting numbers were a little bit low. Some of that was shot selection. Um, and some of that was just maybe shots not going down. So we'll have to see if that continues for LaRoche or not. Um, but it, it was it was a struggle, you know, not being able to hit some of those outside shots, even the open looks, you know, then beating a team like Calvin, who was going to be able to pound the ball inside offensively and, and score at an efficient rate. That was going to be very difficult for them. Um, but, you know, LaRoche plays in the AMCC, not the strongest conference in the country. So I think they're still going to be able to rack up a good number of wins in their league. Uh, they might be still in the mix at the top of that league. Uh, and games like this against Oshkosh and Calvin, that's going to help them. That's going to, you want to battle against strong teams. Uh, and, and LaRoche is a team that finds themselves in the tournament, right? They could win that league and get into the tournament and then play these types of teams again. So I think this is a good weekend for LaRoche. Um, I think they have some nice pieces, but ultimately they're not quite there with maybe some of the rest of the teams. And they've had a very difficult schedule to start the season yeah. here overall. And, you know, Matt, I'll just say, I don't I don't think there was a team that I would say is is a bad team here in the field. We talk about how strong the Great Lakes yeah. Invitational field is year in, year out. It's just a matter of someone's going to be ranked yeah. eighth, you know, one th- when you have to stack them up one through eight. Um, but, you know, I think even 
even that like that game against Oshkosh was probably maybe even more competitive than than we would have expected. Uh, I think that you know they competed really well. They were up seven on Oshkosh with about four minutes to play in that first half, uh, and then you know Oshkosh had a really strong close to be up one at halftime. Uh, but you know they there were large stretches there where they were very competitive uh, with with a a bigger stronger Oshkosh team especially. Um, and then, of course, uh, we we want to note here, uh, Dominic Elliott was the all-invitational team selection from LaRoque, yeah. which we have, uh, you know, there was an all-invitational team one, with one player from each team. Uh, so he he got the nod there. And I also think uh, Joe Starzynski did some really nice things in that first game, especially, too. So, they're, they're you know, they, they're going to win a lot of games the rest of the way here. Uh, they just have had a very difficult start to the season. Yeah, and credit them for scheduling those tough games to start the season. They know they're probably not going to get that level of competition in their league. So they've gone out and they've played some of these tough teams, the Great Lakes Invitational. And what was it before that? There was uh, Carnegie Mellon. It was... Case Western Reserve. Um, they played Case Western Reserve. So they've played some, they've played some good teams uh, to start the season. And, and credit to them for playing those games. All right, number seven in our 2023 Great Lakes Invitational Power Rankings, the Middlebury Panthers. Uh, they had a very tough opening game, uh, losing to Redlands uh, by a score of 83 to 58. And then in the final game of the event, they also lost to Wittenberg 76-73 in a really competitive back and forth uh, game. Sam Stevens was the Middlebury selection for the all-invitational team. Matt, what were your, uh, your thoughts on Middlebury's weekend? Yeah, I did not know what to make of Middlebury coming into the year. Uh, ultimately, they were ranked 24 in the poll. Not having the start that they expected, they were 0-4. Um, I think this is not a program that's been used to starting 0-4 by any stretch of the imagination, so this is new for them. Um, the Redlands game was a big number, uh, but obviously Redlands was impressive you know, on, on Saturday as well, so you can kind of explain that away. Uh, the Wittenberg game was a very competitive game. That was entertaining from start to finish, and it was back and forth. Um, and, and, and Wittenberg looked strong. I think, for me, Middlebury... I didn't really, they're, they're maybe the team I just didn't know what to make of most, even through the end of the tournament. They have some good players. Um, I don't know that they have a strong, solid team identity necessarily right now. It obviously makes a big difference not having Alex Sobel this year um, and trying to find, you know, what, you know, maybe he was just, he got so many touches last year that they have to do, do something completely different. And that's a new makeup for the team. Um, so even coming out of this weekend, I don't feel like I have a great handle on them besides, yeah, they're they're not in that top tier. They're, they've got to figure some things out. Um, and the NESCAC is a challenge, but they'll have, that's that's a smaller, you know, league schedule only once through the conference. So they have some non-conference games to figure it out. But I think they do have a lot of work to do to, to figure out, like, what are we, what are we as a team? Who are we as a team? And, and how are we going to come together and, and change some of these results? Um, you know, for a NESCAC team, you know, I, I think Wittenberg's a good team, but they're kind of maybe seem like mid-level of the NCAC. So um, you'd maybe expect a, a ranked NESCAC team to be able to handle that, but they were mo they were more at an even level with Wittenberg, and, and Wittenberg won that game even. Um, so th they're a team I just I don't have any conclusions for. I don't have any answers for. Um, they have some nice players. Sam Stevens had two nice games, put up a lot of points. It was a great score. Um, but I think other than that, you know, trying to fit all these pieces together, I think they're still figuring that out. Yeah, there's very clearly still... A, an Alex Sobel size hole right in that team and it's going to be difficult to replace an All-American no matter what but especially one whose usage is so high uh, as his was you know everything ran through him so take that out of the equation and it's like you're almost starting over uh, so but you know that that preseason top 25 ranking what I think was a 
was a reputation ranking more than anything. Um, and you know, while that ranking may not have been necessarily well earned for or deserved for for this season right now, I think that reputation is well earned, and you you can you can count on better things from Middlebury probably as the season goes on. Yeah. All right. Next up, number six, Matt. We ranked the host Wittenberg Tigers as we we talked about them in their their game against Middlebury. They started uh, the the event losing to Illinois Wesleyan 72-59 before uh, beating Middlebury in that finale 76-73. Uh, boy, I there was no surprise who the all inv- yeah. invitational team was going to be for them. Trey Killens had two back to back dynamite games, um, and there was you know a lot of times if not throughout both games that he was just the best player on the court for either team. Yeah. Yeah. There were stretches of the games where he would, he would defer. And, and I would wonder like, should they just run almost everything through Trey Killens, make sure he's touching the ball and having good opportunities every time. I think when push came to shove in crunch time, like in that Middlebury game, it felt like then he was the one that had the ball going to the rack or getting into the lane, putting up a shot. He was tremendous. He made big shots. Um, really, really good player. Uh, excited to see him. He was awesome. Um, and, then that whole team in the Illinois Wesleyan game first, they fought really hard. They 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 battled Illinois Wesleyan. Um, I think maybe the margin was ended up being what I expected, but I kept saying like Illinois Wesleyan took the long way around to get to a thirteen point win there. Like Wittenberg fought them hard. They battled. That was a great game. It really didn't feel like a thirteen point margin even at the end of it. It felt like Wittenberg was right there almost the whole way. It was really kind of the last few minutes that they kind of stretched that lead. Uh, so I was impressed with Wittenberg there. Uh, taking a team who might be in the mix at the, the top half of the CCIW or maybe even a title contender for the CCIW. So for Wittenberg to to mount that type of battle, it was on their home court, so that's an advantage, but they looked really strong there. Uh, and then in that Middlebury game, I think we expected a good game. We got a good game back and forth. And, and when push came to shove, I think Wittenberg was just the better team that night and maybe the better team overall. And, and again, can't say enough good things about Trey Killens. He was, he was tremendous both nights. Yeah, absolutely. Inside and out, right? He knocked down some big threes. He uh, really did a good job getting to the rim, finishing. Uh, he, I tell you what, they're gonna they're gonna be in a lot of games just because they have him and other teams don't, right? Yeah. That's the, the he's a difference maker player, difference uh, difference making player, and uh, you know, hey, if you've got the best player on the court, you've got a chance. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up in our power rankings here, Matt, number five, we went with Illinois Wesley and the Titans. They beat Wittenberg in that opener 72-59, as we talked about. And then another really competitive one of one of the real games of the, of the Invitational, uh, they lost to Marietta 67-63. And they were led by Luke Yoder to the all-Invitational team. Yeah, uh, we, saw some, we saw some good things out of Illinois Wesleyan this weekend. We saw some question marks from Illinois Wesleyan this weekend. Um, in that Wittenberg game, they had to fight and claw for kind of every bit uh, that they got in that game uh, up to the 13-point win. Uh, I think Luke Yoder was a difference maker in that game. If I recall, he had something like 22 points. He was instrumental in like getting all the way to the bucket in the second half. He was obviously a tremendous talent for Illinois Wesleyan, and, and he made a big difference there. Um, you can see that they missed him last year and are glad to have him back. We, we talk about Illinois Wesleyan a lot, and you can see it when they step on the court. They are a huge team. They have a lot of, of height, a lot of length. Although at times, to me, it seems like they maybe struggle using that size or converting that size into consistent points or e- even sometimes rebounding. Um, I should check the numbers. I don't, I don't have them in front of me, but it, it doesn't really feel like they out-rebounded Marietta, and they were bigger and longer than Marietta, I think. 
So um, just maybe figuring out how that's going to work for them down the stretch is, is maybe a key. Uh, that Marietta game was tremendous. It was um, Illinois Wesleyan out to a, an early lead and then like a 20-point run for Marietta. Uh, and, then, and then it was kind of back and forth from there. Uh, a really good game between two good programs. That's exactly what we wanted to see. Uh, but I, I just didn't feel like Illinois Wesleyan quite had um, just enough shooting consistency or enough I, I don't exactly know what it was, um, but it just felt like they were missing something. I don't know if it was using some of that size and length, if it was, um, you know, Yoder's such a good player, but could he be even more aggressive, like getting to the basket sometimes? Would that help it out? Um, I, I don't know. A good team. I think they're going to be in the mix. I still just think they, they it's, it's early, right? It's, it's November for everyone, but just finding um, their rotation, the guys that they're going to go to bat with, I think they're still playing like 12 guys. I think they got to find out like who their nine or 10 really are. Um, and, and they have a bunch of good options, but they just have to find who that is and, and develop a little bit more consistency, I think, down the stretch and into the CCIW season. Right. You mentioned that, that depth. And one of my notes was they went 13 deep versus mm -hmm. Wittenberg, right? So it's like what it feels like that's got to tighten up a little bit as you figure out what your pieces are, what you can count on. And like you said, I think, I think they are like, it feels like they're a piece away. Now, I think if that piece would be like an elite perimeter shooter. And I think they have guys who could be that like, or on a, on any given night, you could have a guy that puts up like a four for seven from three, but it's like, they're missing who that actually is that you can count on more on the night in night out basis. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but maybe that's something they figure out and they win the CCIW like that potential is there. Uh, you mentioned the size, you know, there are teams that maybe can field a big starting lineup. But there are very few, if any, other D3 teams who can roll in like that second wave of size, mm -hmm. size off the bench, right? I mean, you see right now, Harrison Wilson's coming off the bench, right? Yeah. Like, no one's bringing a guy of that size and skill off the bench. Yeah. Um, and who, who knows, maybe, maybe later in the season, like that, that flips a little bit. But, yeah. you know, if, if he enters the starting lineup, that means someone else is coming off the bench who has great size, right? So uh, regardless of what the name is, they have like that second wave of really good size that just is is a luxury you don't really see in Division yeah. Three much at all. And they're all good players, like you said. Williamson yeah. coming off the bench, you don't have six eight that much talent coming off the bench. I just don't know if it's a thing like if you play thirteen, do they have trouble getting into the flow if they're not maybe getting quite as many minutes? If like nine guys in a flow of um, you know ten twelve minutes minimum, if if that helps your team out, I don't know. The coach obviously knows that, so they're going to make those decisions. Um, but that's just one thing I, fe I felt watching them. All right, our next team, Matt, up to number four in our power rankings. We went with the UW Oshkosh Titans. They started off the event by beating Lower 68 and then lost to Redlands 82-62. Uh, particularly in that first game, Quinn Steckbauer was impressive, and he was the all-invitational team nod from Oshkosh. Yeah, a lot, a lot to like from Oshkosh in that LaRoche game. Um, Unfortunately, they lost 6-7 big Reinfleisch to what looked like maybe an ankle injury or something. He had that wrapped up and, and was, was on crutches later that night. Uh, so you hate to see a guy go, go down, a starter, a talented player. Um, so, you know, that, that's just a bummer to see. Um, and, and he was really good. Uh, but the team was able to battle to hang on without him and beat LaRoche. I think they missed him the next day with Redlands. You know, Redlands is a completely different style than most of the teams they're going to see, than any team they're probably going to see the rest of the year. Uh, it's hard to play against that type of team. Um, but, you know, to have another six, seven guy that is, you know, not concrete footed, right. That could 
you know, help get over some of the length of Redlands and get, get through the passing lanes would have helped them. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know if that would have overcome the 20-point deficit that they had there. A uh, lot, lot to like um, with Oshkosh. They have some really good guard play. They have some talented guards. Um, Steckbauer was great. Mahoney was good. Um, they, have some, they, have a, they have a lot of good talent. They are, you know, replacing a whole bunch from that uh, tournament team last year, that Elite Eight, I think it was, team last year. Uh, but they're going to be good. I think they're going to be in the mix still in, in the WIAC. Definitely top half in my mind from what I saw. Uh, so a lot to like from the Titans. You know, what do you take out of a Redlands game? I don't know. You you take it as hopefully we don't have to see these guys again. Uh, you know, they were just so impressive. Um, but, you know, shouts to Oshkosh for battling the entire game. They didn't give up even down big with a couple minutes left. They were, you know, not complaining that Redlands was still running their game plan. They were still battling hard. Coach Lewis has them. Like, hey, something doesn't go our way. Let's next play. Let's focus on the next play. Let's try to win the next play. Let's try to win these next two minutes. Uh, so I think that as a team, they have a good mindset, a positive mindset, and I expect them to continue to build going forward. Yeah, and they they entered the year with some questions just in terms of personnel because they're replacing some really big players, yeah. really big time players, um, and. I think we saw some young talent on display, right? We, we, you figure a program like Oshkosh, they're not, they've, they've probably got another wave. They've probably got some really good young players. You just don't know who they are or what, you know, what they are. Uh, and I, I think you, you can see that there's not going to be a huge drop off. They probably will be right, right in the mix there in the WIAC. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's go to number three here. We went with the Marietta pioneers. Uh, Marietta lost to Kelvin on Friday, 68 51, and then bounced back in the game. We've talked about a little bit already beating Illinois, uh, Illinois Wesleyan 67 63. All invita invitational team member was Sami Willoughby. Yeah. You, you mentioned there wasn't really a team that we changed opinion on game one to game two. Maybe the closest to that would have been Marietta. Um, Losing, losing to sev by 17 to Calvin really wasn't the Marietta that we saw the next day to a large degree. I think Calvin played great. I think Calvin played their best game of the early season against Marietta. I think they deserved that win. Um, they, they, they've maybe forced Marietta's hand on some things. Um, Calvin's a great defensive team. Uh, and, but the next day they, they just came right back and they battled hard against Illinois Wesleyan. I think Illinois Wesleyan is good. I think, you know, these are two teams um, that will compete toward the top of their conference. Obviously Marietta in the OAC, they have Mount Union and they have John Carroll two looking like behemoths there. So, you know, maybe they end up third place. Maybe they challenge one of those two teams for the top three. Uh, but a lot, a lot of like to a lot that I saw that I liked of Marietta, you know, Sami is obviously a great player. He is super strong. He's listed at like six, four, but he plays more like he's six, seven than six, four. He's sometimes he'll go up amongst the bigs and he will just rip down a rebound um, or he'll be playing in the post and he's going to go up strong. Um, so he plays two or three inches uh, taller than he is. They also had good games from guys like uh, Cooper Parrott, uh, knocked down some big shots, uh, was maybe their leading scorer in game one against Calvin and then double figures again against Illinois Wesleyan. Again, not looking at my box score, um, but a lot to like uh, for Marietta. John Vanderwall has them playing tough. Uh, I think they're a good team, and I think they're going to be strong in the OAC, and they're going to upset some teams. I think last year they they maybe beat one of those top two teams. Um, I think it maybe was was that Mountain. They Union? knocked out John. Oh, they John Carroll. Carroll in the OAC semifinals. Yeah, so they've won those types of games even last year. Um, so to bring back a lot of talent this year, um, and and put up a good showing like a team like Illinois Wesleyan, I think I think that was a lot to like from Marietta. Yeah, Sami Willoughby had some really strong, important rebounds down the stretch. Mm -hmm. 
in helping to beat Illinois Wesleyan. Like you said, a very strong player, plays bigger, um, you know, height-wise, at a disadvantage against that Illinois Wesleyan lineup. But the strength, the, yeah. you know, the to go go up, get a strong rebound, yeah. uh, was very impressive. It, I think as as much as uh, you know, putting the the ball in the basket is important. The way that he corralled some of those rebounds was equally important on the other end. Yeah, really impressive player, and and there was you know a lot I saw I liked out of Marietta. Um, yeah, they, they, they had a stretch, they had a stretch there in, in the first half against Calvin where, you know, Calvin put the vice, uh, grip down on them and they were having trouble making shots. Um, and, and that was, that was a rough go. Uh, but some of the shots started falling against Illinois Wesleyan. All right. Number two, we went with the Redlands Bulldogs here, Matt, very impressive weekend overall for Redlands. Uh, you know, we've talked both about, about both their games so far with, Talking about the other teams, beat Middlebury 83-58, and then turned around and beat UW Oshkosh 82-62. Uh, you know those Region 10 Island teams, Matt. They're out there. Um, so here they come to Ohio, get a win over a Nescac, get a win over a Wyack uh, in impressive fa- fashion. Uh, both games, um, boy, just just an even balanced team. They get contributions all over the place. Uh, but it was Kendrick Curry who was honored as the All Invitational team member. Yeah, I just really, really impressed with Redlands. They're absolutely legitimate. Um, I saw a team that could be a second weekend tournament team or beyond. Um, I think I, I tweeted, I maybe said already in this podcast episode, I did not vote for them in the top twenty-five. I think that was a huge miss on on my part. And, and I'm I'm led to understand that they have like two or three starters that are still injured that they're hoping to get back. So they might be getting better. They might be getting like reinforcements on the way in the coming weeks or months. I'm not sure the timeline on those uh, injuries, but the Bulldogs are very good. They, they force you into playing a way that you are not used to playing. They have a lot of length and athleticism. They're going to, they, they tip almost every pass, every ball. If you hesitate for a moment or try to go like side to side in the backcourt, they will get, force you into backcourt violation. They will turn you over. They will steal the ball. They will tip a pass. It's just so difficult. They make everything you do on offense so, so difficult. And and then they, they turn around with energy and they try to score the ball. And they're not like a system team that like jacks up shots. They, they find good shots. They make good shots. You know, you can break their press and get an easy layup, but, but good luck doing that consistently. It's not anything, I don't think anything like what like Greenville or Grinnell have run. It's just, it's, it's up-tempo, it's fast-paced, and they're going to press you a lot. Um, but they do it in a way that's very, very disciplined and very, very organized. The players absolutely know what they're doing. They fill their roles tremendously well. Uh, and, and I just saw a team that, in, in my mind, they're, they're right up there, like top 15, maybe top 10 team in Division Three. I think. Um, still a long way to go. It's November, but I think they're tremendous. I think whatever outsider status they had or they think they had, I don't know that that any longer exists. Um, they are firmly, in my mind, on the national radar and in the mix. Redlands was great. You had a time machine and came back and told me that's that's the team that's going to win the national championship. From what I saw this weekend, I'd say, yeah, okay, I can see it. Right? Like, I, I think I think that possibility exists. Um, you, you you mentioned, and this is the way I, I like to describe them, is they really do make everything you try to do on the basketball court difficult. Right? Inbounding the ball is difficult. Getting the ball across half court is difficult. You know the half court defense, 
once you're if you can get into your set is difficult right and then and then they not like in a system team get to get a shot as quickly as possible way but they they force the issue offensively too mm-hmm. um and and they're not big in a traditional sense like they're not illinois wesleyan type yeah. of big right a more like traditional big uh team but they're but they are a big team. I, I think they are a big team, right? Maybe not in a traditional sense, but it's like everyone on the court is 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", with length and athleticism, right? So the, these guys have long arms. They're covering a lot of ground. And you can tell that they have a ton of fun mm-hmm. playing yeah. and playing the way that they do, right? Um, you talk about a team. Sometimes you can just see the way a team plays with a certain mentality, right? And th- this team goes beyond that. They play with a personality, Right, they know what they're trying to do. They, they love doing it, and there's just like the joy comes out. It's it was easy to see, and uh, you know on the other side, the frustration sets in. We you know you see in uh, their game against Middlebury in Oshkosh, and, and in little ways, you know you mentioned Matt Lewis did a great job keeping positivity, kind of next play, but there were definitely you know individuals on the court. At, at different times, you could just see the frustration. And uh, there was there was one moment that I think just kind of sums it all up that, that we saw at the media table just right, right in front of us. I think we were kind of waiting for an inbound play. And, uh, you know, from the other end, but down on the court right in front of us, there was a player who was just, I think, vocalizing some frustration just to himself. And there was a red, you know, the Redlands guy who was, who was down there uh, was just, just kind of, he just would kind of laugh. Like he was kind of hearing what was going on and just kind of laugh and, and not like in a taunting or like no. negative way. It's just like, he knows, yeah. right. Playing that system, playing that the way they do. I'm sure he's seen opponent after opponent deal with that kind of frustration. And it's just what they do to you. And they love to do it to you. Yeah. Like they take so much joy in just knowing that we are going to make your life miserable. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they force it on you. Uh, and, but as you said, they, they just have so much joy. Their, their bench is like an intense bench the whole game. They're like cheering their guys on. They're, they're, they're rooting for those turnovers. They're, um, they're like barking at each other. It's just a fun game, a fun atmosphere. You can tell that they love to bring it. They love to compete, and they compete really, really well. So for all of us on the other side of the country... Uh, I can't encourage you enough to check out a Redlands game on a stream sometimes. I know sometimes it might be late at night or whatever, but I mean this is a team to watch. They're they're a fun team to watch. And uh they've got they've got some some more big time matchups coming up. Definitely a two a team to just to check out out of curiosity because they're they're fun to watch. All right, Matt, that leaves one spot open for thankfully our Kelvin Knights. They had a another uh a good weekend uh along with Redlands. I think the two best weekends overall. Starting off with that big 68-51 win over Marietta, followed up the next day with a 20-point win over LaRoche, 74-54. Uchenna uh, Egekeza was really excellent both days defensively, um, uh, making plays offensively. Just you know, you know, we we know we we know what Uchenna is. Uh, really a, a do everything player for for Calvin. He does it all well. Uh, he was the All Invitational team nod for the Knights. Yeah, and, and to be clear, just off the bat, our little power ranking here, number one versus number two, there's like, for me, for the weekend, there's like no separation between these two. Like picking one above the other is not really a big statement one or the one way or the other. They both just had two big wins. They beat the teams in front of them. Uh, and we just kind of 
picked the order here. We decided, I think, maybe we would rank Marietta a little above Oshkosh. That gives Calvin the best win of the weekend, whatever. Anyway, two really good teams that we saw. Uh, the first game, it was, it was Calvin's best game of the year, beating Marietta 68-51. Um, you know, big game from Jalen Overway, uh, as, as we would expect. Um, but a lot of guys chipped in. They really, it really just felt like they took Marietta out of their game, um, Marietta tried zone for like a play or two, and then Calvin was able to break through that, and then they abandoned that idea. They didn't really double Jalen Overway for, I think, like 30 minutes of the game until he had like, I don't know, 17 points or something, and then they tried to double, and then by then it was almost a little bit too late. They were able to kick out and knock, out, knock down some big shots when it mattered. Um, this was a game that they, I think they put everything together. They played a really good team, and they kind of just handled them from start to finish and won soundly. Uh, and, and executed, I think, largely defensively, offensively. Um, like you said, Uchenna Gakeza was great. He showed his defensive prowess in this game uh, and, and didn't really give up anything on the offensive end to do it. Um, he was tremendous all weekend. I think he had 10 rebounds against LaRoche in game two. Um, that was a game like LaRoche was, was competitive early when they were maybe knocking down some shots where we would look at each other and kind of roll our eyes, uh, like a mid-range jumper falling away to the side, and it's nothing but net. Uh, but they couldn't keep that shooting up, and, and really, ultimately, they had kind of a down-shooting night. Uh, Calvin made things difficult for them. They're not a team that can really match up traditionally with like a 6'10", big, like, overway, and they, and they struggled there. Um, you know, when Jalen had a nice move driving into the lane with a tight spin move, switching to his left hand and laying it up and in, it's just like, you know, Things are going to go Calvin's way in this game, and it, and it did. Uh, I think LaRoche was a little bit overmatched, but their guys competed hard in the game. Um, and, you know, again, like we said, they're, they're a good team. But I think, I think this weekend Calvin showed exactly, you know, what, what we as kind of fans and supporters, alums of the, of the uh, school, kind of wanted to see, and I think what they wanted to show of themselves. Still November for all these teams, for Redlands, for Calvin. Uh, very early, things can happen. Things can change. Our, our opinions and views can change. But these both looked like two teams we saw that could get into the tournament for sure um, and that could advance to like a Sweet 16, if not beyond. So really impressed with what I saw from Calvin. I think they're a good team. Not very many gaps. Obviously, things that they could improve on, all coaches will tell you that. Um, but but they looked like, a, looked like the real deal this weekend, I think. Yeah, in both games, they were able to get out to double-digit halftime leads. And then, um, I, I believe in the neighborhood of about 15 points. I think it was definitely a 15-point lead against Marietta. Mm -hmm. I think it's something similar against LaRoche. And then also, even with that lead, then also, you know, win the second half. Uh, so they did a good job of not really letting up. I mean, not that we were feeling super comfortable throughout much of that second half against Marietta. Uh, but but they, I think they really did a good job of of keeping the focus to make sure that it didn't get more interesting than it needed to yeah. uh, in, in both cases. Yeah, definitely took care of business in both halves. And uh, yeah, tremendous to see. Matt, you kind of alluded to this. I think I think as we put together our one through eight, we saw three tiers probably, right? Yeah. Uh, so we had Calvin one, Redlands two. I think that the two of them form a top tier. You know, if you want to, if you watched that weekend and wanted to put them in a different order, I think that would be fair. Um, and then I think you see another another tier uh, with the next three teams, right? Marietta, UW Oshkosh, and Illinois Wesleyan. Um, based on the totality of what we saw, probably that's you know a second tier of the group. And then Wittenberg, Middlebury, LaRoche uh, would be like tier three. So I, I, I think... Uh, you know, someone might come up with a different set of rankings, but I think probably within those buckets is where teams would, yeah. would maybe move around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was good to see, 
you know, teams compare against those other teams and get matchups. You know, that that Middlebury-Wittenberg matchup was great. It was one of the best games of the whole weekend. And um, I, I was fascinated to see that game from start to finish as well. So just, again, I can't say it enough, great games, great weekend. If, if you're a coach, if you're a fan, and you can get your team or you can get your body to watch these games, like, go do it. These are it's, it's eight games in two days. It's, it's a lot of fun. Go do it. Yeah, I was surprised, especially Friday. The day just seemed to fly by. You know, yeah. even even watching four different games, kind of, you know, being in the gym all afternoon, evening. Uh, it was halftime of that last game, and I'm like, I can't believe we've already watched three and a half games. It just flew by. It was great. So, Matt, we're starting to get a lot of early season data points, but I'm not sure that we're getting a whole lot of clarity in terms of a top 25 picture. Um, fortunately, you and other voters are not on the hook for a ballot this week because uh, I think it would be maybe even more difficult than doing your preseason ballot. Uh, but for the sake of discussion here, uh, we thought we'd, we'd have you go through the exercise of doing a mock ballot. Uh, so this is if you were submitting a ballot, um, this is kind of where you're standing um, of course, subject to change. I, I think we're after Thanksgiving. We expect uh, the next official poll. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So we're about a, we're a week out from a, a new official poll. All right. So having gone through the exercise of making a mock ballot here for for this episode, because at this point the preseason top twenty five is blown up, you know, uh, completely mean, meaningless. Rip it up. Uh, but we're not quite to that next poll yet. So this is how. You see uh, where your ballot might stand. Take us through it. Yeah, yeah. First of all, if this was a real poll, I would have I would have done a lot better job than what I did here and spent more time, especially with the early season results. You don't quite know who's good and who's not good yet, so you still are trying to throw away your preseason expectations while also holding on to them to know like Hampton Sydney beat Christopher Newport by twenty. That's like a really impressive win, right? So you're still trying to figure that out. I think this is pretty directional. I, I didn't really I didn't comb through and then re dive in and reiterate. So. Uh, if I'm missing something big, let me know. I, I, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, definitely I'll dive through, spend some time going through and get every single like result for like my watch list teams in here. This was kind of a first pass gut reaction, getting teams directionally correct. Um, I think I would maybe like Hampton Sydney number one. I think they have really good results. They were a team I expected to be high. I think there were six or so on my preseason ballot. And they had, have had good results and seemed like they they were playing like a strong team. Um, and I think I, I would have them number one if I had to vote today. I feel good about them there. Um, I feel good about Wash U. I think Washington University, the greatest university in the world for sure. Uh, and we would have them, they, they have some really strong results. You know, what we saw at the Scholars Classic uh, in particular, um, a big win over Swarthmore. They've had some good results. I think Wash U looks strong. Like an overtime win over Babson is, is like, well, they had to go to overtime, but Babson looks really good maybe. So I think Wash U is still really high in my poll, probably around two. Um, Oswego State and UW-Whitewater kind of holding ish where I had them in, in the preseason, nothing really to move them too much up or down from there. Um, Calvin maybe jumping up five or so spots for me uh, with a really strong win over Marietta, a really strong Great Lakes Invitational. I might be moving them into that range. Um, John Carroll and Mount Union, Case Western kind of maybe moving up a few spots as some teams moved out. Um, into, uh, that puts me at number eight, uh, a big surprise here at Guilford, maybe not a surprise, but I, I didn't have them in my top 25. I thought maybe they were going to have to replace more than they really, like they, they still have a lot back or maybe I thought they were going to lose more. They look great. Uh, they, they beat Emory over the weekend. Um, so I think Guilford might, I, I put them at nine here, penciled them in like 
not official, right? But I, I think I think I'm gonna move Gilbert all the way in somewhere pretty high. Um, and then Redlands, number 10. I, I think somewhere in that 15 to 10 range and maybe closer to that 10 spot for Redlands. I was just convinced with what I saw that they're really good. So uh, again, another week, I think they have some big games coming up next weekend. That might be the NYU game who I have there at number 11. So that's going to be really telling maybe who's kind of in that spot. Um, but I, I like Redlands. Um, NYU fell for me a little bit. But their only really bad result wasn't really a bad result. It was the home loss to Swarthmore on the banked in three, I believe. So still a good team um, like NYU. I think WPI has been impressive. So I kind of moved them up from preseason 18 to 12. Uh, and then I'm going to be honest, the back half of this ballot, I'm not really sure of. So like teams I moved in, 13 Trinity, Connecticut. I think maybe they look like one of the top teams or two in the NESCAC. So I, I think that they're going to be really good. Now, maybe 13 is too high. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll move them down or something, but I think they look really strong. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan looks like maybe one of, like, number two, three in the ODAC, and the ODAC's going to be really good. Um, defensively, they're rating really strongly. Um, part of that might be off Randolph-Macon's offensive woes, but they're probably forcing Randolph-Macon into some of that. So I think, I think maybe they're ranked in there somewhere. Um, and then I put Christopher Newport at 15, kind of down from one all the way to 15 with their two losses. I don't think they really have a bad loss on the books. Um, Hampton-Sydney and Marietta. Hampton-Sydney for sure is a good is a good team. I think Marietta's maybe a number 35-ish team for me, somewhere in that range. So not, not terrible. Uh, I think Christopher Newport is maybe starting to put it together. So I would probably keep them in the poll somewhere. Uh, maybe 15, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but then I kind of went, yeah, you can see on the list there, Emory, Elmhurst, Rowan, Swarthmore, um, Trine, then Tufts into my poll, St. Joseph into my poll, maybe around 22-ish. Um, Keene State would fall, I think, significantly for me after that Stockton loss. And then I really didn't know what to do with my last two, so I kind of pulled in St. Norbert and pulled in Illinois College. Um not exactly sure there, but that's kind of what I'm thinking with some of the types of teams I might be ranking in my top 25. It's it's very different than my preseason poll, and I'm very glad that we're not actually submitting a ballot. But these are kind of the teams I'm thinking about. Um, I've got a list more. I've, I have like 80 teams on a watch list. So what I need to do this weekend is really just like pair these teams down and get to another solid 25. But uh, I'm just really glad we're not submitting this week. Well, I'm still glad that you went through it and we can we can talk about it because you know we've seen enough where there were a few teams, whether in the top 25 or just on your ballot, where it's like, okay, we could probably just take them out, right? And there's some teams that weren't there. It's like, okay, they definitely need to be in, yeah. right? So it's good. It's good here for discussion purposes, at least. You know, uh, get the get the hashtag content going in the show here, uh, even if we are a week away from an official poll, because what's out there now is a preseason poll. Might as well tear it up. Yep. Okie dokie, Matt. Last week's picks. Take us through it. Yeah, first game was North Park. Uh, they were plus two points versus Wabash. We both took North Park, but it was Wabash, the 70-63 winner there, so we both missed that one. Uh, game number two was a GLI game. Uh, the computer had Middlebury um, as a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and we both took Redlands, and we did not know uh, that Redlands would win that game by as much as they did. But um, we were we were correct on that one. Um, you know, we thought Redlands would be be fine with getting all those points, but you know, they didn't need any of those. Uh, we game still knew three. more. 
we still knew more than the computer. We knew this, more than the computer. These early yes. stages, here, where our minds are ahead of the computer at this stage of the game. Yes. Uh, game number three was at the Small College Classic in Aberdeen. Keene State uh, was a three-and-a-half-point favorite against UW-Platteville. Uh, I got that one. I went with Keene State. They were 93-75 winners over Platteville. Uh, game four was Emory at Guilford. Uh, the computer liked Guilford by four, and we both took Emory to cover, which they did by one point. Guilford won that game 83-80, to but the four-point computer spread helped us out there. And then our D3 Datacast game of the week was Calvin versus Marietta at the Great Lakes Invitational. Calvin was getting one point and ended up winning that game by 17. So we both picked Calvin and we both got the points there. So Zach, last week we were three, you were three and two and moved to six and four overall. I was four and one and also moved to six and four overall. So two weeks in, we are even. If you want to play along, post your picks and your scores below or tweet to us at D3 Datacast and keep track of your own scores for the season because... We won't do that for you, but feel free to play along. It's always fun to see other people's picks and other people's scores. All right, this week's slate. We have five games for you here. I'll read them off quickly, then we'll make our picks. The first game is Illinois Wesleyan plus eight points at Wash U. The second game is Mary Harden-Baylor plus two points at St. Thomas. The third game is Mary Washington minus three versus Rowan on a neutral site. And Wesleyan is minus three and a half at Farmingdale State. And our D3 Datacast game of the week is NYU plus three points versus Redlands. Uh, that game is actually out at Redlands, is it not? It is. I believe that is at Redlands. Yes, that is a true road it game is. for NYU. It All is. right, so Zach, who do you like? At, uh, Illinois Wesleyan at WashU. Yeah, WashU's been very impressive. Illinois Wesleyan, as we've talked about, a few things to figure out, but I think they can match up. I like, uh, I'll take the eight points here. I think Illinois Wesleyan at the very least will always be a difficult enough team to play against uh, that, you know, eight's just too big of a number for me. Okay, you're going with a number. I am going to give all those points away and I'm going to still go with Wash U. Um, Even with a big number there, eight points, I think that the Bears uh, at home can cover that. Game number two, Zach. Game number two, I will take the two points with Mary Harden-Baylor. You know, Matt, sometimes Mary Harden-Baylor can be a difficult team to predict what uh, exactly is going to happen uh, for that 40 minutes there on the court. Um, Good team, but don't always maybe play to their potential. Uh, St. Thomas had a really good year last year. I'm not sure I'm as impressed with some of the results I've seen from them so far this year. I'll take Mary Harden-Baylor plus two. I'm going to go the same direction as you, plus the two. I think getting points for Mary Harden-Baylor. I think Mary Harden-Baylor uh, is a little bit of a better team. Um, so even you know two points doesn't maybe quite offset the road uh, home field advantage there. Uh, but I feel, still think Mary Harden-Baylor, if they, if they treat this as a big game, it always seems like, do they value this game or not? Are they going to get up for this game or not? Um, so, But I'll go with the crew here and take uh, Mary Harden-Baylor plus two. Uh, Mary Washington minus three versus Rowan. Yeah, this is... Uh, technically neutral court, maybe more slightly homish game for Mary Washington with this game being played at Christopher Newport. However, the three points, I will uh, I will take Rowan plus three. Yeah, three-point advantage for Rowan. Um, neutral court, I'm voting for Rowan. I'm not voting for Mary Washington currently. So that means I should probably take Rowan, and I will. Um, if this was straight up, though, I think it would still be a, a difficult game to pick. Uh, it definitely a game Mary Washington could win, um, but I would expect Rowan maybe to come out on top, especially getting three points there. I will take Rowan. 
fourth game, Wesleyan and Farmingdale. Zach, who do you like? I like I I I, I struggled with this one, but I think um, I think I'm okay going with the three and a half point favorite Wesleyan here. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go the same direction. Um, three and a half. West uh, Nescak versus Skyline. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give the three and a half points and go with Wesley. And I think some of their results have come out fairly strong early on. I, I haven't. I haven't actually. You know, honestly, dug into Wesley too deep. Um, but I, I think that they might have a good team this year uh, in the Nescak and compete in the top half of that league. So I will take them over Farmingdale, uh, even giving the three and a half points. And then the big game, the game that you and I will both be keeping our, our eye on, NYU is plus three at Redlands. Yeah, after what we saw this weekend, I think I'm going to go with Redlands, even uh, as three-point favorites there. Uh, I think it's a team. They, I think they really relish the opportunity to come out to the Great Lakes Invitational to, and test themselves against some other teams they don't usually see. I think uh, with with what Redlands is and, and where they're ranked, the expectations or excuse me, uh, and where NYU is ranked and the expectations NYU has, the, you know, that UAA brand, I think those Redlands guys are going to be ready. Uh, that place is going to be a difficult place for NYU to play. Give me Redlands. All right. I'm going to go the same direction for many of the same reasons. Um, as I said, I think I, I thought Redlands was legit coming out of the GLI. They're going to get a, an immediate test here to see if that's true against NYU, a team that is you know picked toward the top of the UAA, one of the best conferences in the country, if not the best conference in the country. Um, in my little fake poll I just put up, I think I put them next to each other. This is this is going to be the big game. It's going to be it might be one of the games of the year for the whole, for the entire season, right? For the way it's looking, um, this is a chance for NY for for you know who's going to beat a team like Redlands from what I saw this weekend. I have no idea. Maybe a team like NYU could do it, uh, but for now, I'm just going to stick with Redlands. I'm going to stick with what I saw this weekend. And uh, even though NYU is getting three, I'm comfortable laying that and taking Redlands. <clears throat> All right, uh, that moves us on to Upset Watch. Last We mentioned this game earlier last week's Upset Watch was Anderson at Wabash, and Anderson won that 72-67. Uh, so good job for the Ra- for the Ravens. They look strong this, this uh, year. If they continue with these results, they might find themselves in the poll as well. So um, really liked what I saw out of Anderson. Uh, unfortunately, no Upset Watch this week. I think there's just like too much jumbling going around in the poll. I don't think any team is really where they are ranked number-wise. number, number wise. So it would be hard to come up with an upset and not have a million people coming out to me and being like, yeah, but they're not the number 10 team anymore because they lost two games or whatever. So no upset watch. Um, I'd rather not do one than just make like throw something out there. So um, unfortunately, no new one this week. And that brings hey, us Matt, to the we do have We have one item here to cover in the mailbag. Got this one through Twitter slash X. Comes from JR. After two weeks of games, which teams have moved onto your top 25 radar and which have moved off? Covered this a little bit, Matt, but maybe this is getting a little bit more into the watch list territory. How are you uh, seeing some teams, um, you know, maybe moving into the mix or just moving completely out of the mix? Yeah, uh, I think the top team off, Barry. Um, I thought that they were returning a lot from a decent team last year, top 50 or so team. They have got two losses. They lost to Bellhaven by seven. They lost to Roanoke by 21. Those are both road games for Barry. But still, if you're going to be a top 25 team, you need to maybe like win both of those games or at least one of them and be competitive in the other. So uh, Barry's just off my list right now. They're going to need some strong results to get back on there. Um, Carthage, I had them in like the 20s. 
they lost to Ripon and they had a really close game with Teal and Marion. If like if you're going to be top 25 and compete at the top of the CCIW, I want to see better results than that. So for me, Carthage, you're taking a seat. Um, Wabash was a team I wasn't quite voting for, but they lost at uh, home to Anderson, I believe, and on the road to Illinois College. Uh, neutral court win over North Park, which is good, but like North Park has lost some other games as well. So uh, for Wabash, they they were kind of on my watch list, and you know I, I, they're just wait and see for me. I'm not going to consider voting for them right away. You know Anderson might be great, Illinois College might be great, but again, if you're going to be in the top 25, you can't be losing all of your 50-50 games against other you know pretty good teams. So um, going to have to see more from Wabash to consider voting for them. Uh, teams that are on radar, the team we've been talking about all episode here, Redlands, um, they were, I mean, they were on the radar for me, but they weren't in my top 25 and I'm like jumping them up. I see them kind of in like sweet 16 or beyond contender category here. So, um, Redlands, for sure on the radar solidly. Guilford, I talked about earlier as well. Again, maybe they were still on the radar, but they weren't in my top 25. I'm going to vote them probably highly on my top 25 when the next ballot comes out. Um, and then Illinois College, I was very wait and see for them to start the year. I was not going to include them in, in my top 25 preseason by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I think they've had some strong results to start the year. I think they've they had some good teams out to their tournament. Um, they had uh, North Park there. They had Co there. They had... Um, Wabash there, right? They were, the, they were the fourth yeah. team. Um, and they they won that tournament. It was their home tournament. But again, they weren't like shying away from other good teams. An American Rivers Conference team, a CCIW team, an NCAC team. Uh, they had some good results there. So I think Illinois College is definitely in the mix, whether or not they're going to be in my top 25 or not. I'm not quite sure, but they're definitely on my radar. I'm going to be watching for their scores every night and definitely a team I'm considering putting in. And I had them in on my little little fake ballot I showed there. So just a little smattering of teams that are kind of in versus out. It's not the full picture, obviously, but just some teams I'm looking at here. And like I said, just one item for the mailbag this week. So that brings this week's mailbag to a close. If you have something that you would like to for us to address in a future mailbag, you can leave a comment on YouTube. Or find us on any of our social media channels and uh, let us know you've got something for the mailbag and we will add it to the list, talk about it uh, at uh, the end of next show. All right, Matt, last thing we need to do, as always, we close out with a big thank you to those of uh, you know, the, the named, named group here that have chosen to support us on Patreon. One new name here, Matt, to give a special shout out to Jeff McKinney. A great Marietta fan, a great Division Three basketball fan. We met Jeff for the first time at the Final Four last year. Got a chance to catch up with him uh, again this past weekend at Wittenberg. Always good to see Jeff talk a little D3 hoops. And uh, thanks to him. I know you're watching, Jeff. Thanks for the support, bud. Yeah, thanks to everyone on the list. We couldn't do the shows. We couldn't do the D3datacast.com, the regional ranking data, the efficiency ratings that we post there, keeping that ad free. That's all thanks to the support of these people. Uh, if you'd like to support us, D3datacast, or uh, patreon.com slash D3datacast is the place to do that. Uh, if, you, if you can or don't want to financially support us through that, that we completely understand. If you want to like the episode, subscribe to the show, share the episodes. Uh, we appreciate all of our viewers. We, um, we especially appreciate those that have joined with us on Patreon, but uh, the whole Division Three community, talking about Division Three, sharing Division Three, loving Division Three. That's why we do this. So we make the content um, just to help, just because we want to talk about it, right? So we enjoy when people interact with us, whether that's on Twitter, whether that's in the YouTube comments below, whether that's joining with us on Patreon. Thank you all so much for making Division Three so fun and such a special level of basketball to 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 watch and follow. 
That's it for this week. We'll be back next week, Matt. We'll conclude our Thanksgiving weekend by recording another episode. Uh, But in the meantime, enjoy week three. Happy Thanksgiving and good job, team. Good job, team. Thank you.